BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crips of the Corn. I am the great and powerful Mystery. And I am the interdimensional giant Jay. And together we are Crips of the Corn podcast with a special guest joining us today for a very special topic. Our good friend, Daphne. Say hi. Hello, guys. So, <laughs> nice to be- Daphne's coming in from Messenger, so there may be a couple like audio pops and clicks. It's just how it is for Messenger. Uh, but So, Jay, do you want to tell them what the topic is? Yes, our, uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of uh, some uh, Nazi occult history and some, uh, well, Hitler history, I guess you could say. Nazi super weapons. Nazi the, super weapons. The Vril- hunt for ancient super weapons. Vril Society, possibly some inner earth stuff. Well, if you got it lined up. I don't got any of that lined up. We're just going to talk. We're just going to talk about it. Yeah, we're just having, we're just talking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you want to... Oh history that they did not teach us in school i'm very disappointed there's a lot just about everything <laughs> me and jay argue a lot about who we're mostly going to be talking about today either hitler or himmler i think most of this was <laughs> himmler and jay Agreed. thinks most of it was hitler Ooh, ha. Huh. well Ooh. i never made a stance on anything mm-hmm. you just like <laughs> to argue with me yep <laughs> but yeah you want to get into the real society jay and we'll know. you want me to start with it yeah well, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. So the Vril Society, for everybody at home that doesn't know, that's kind of the head occult society that a lot of these uh, branched off of. What was the main one we just talked about earlier that Himmler used? Well, uh, the Thule. The Thule Society was the main one uh, Himmler used, but they're all a branch off of the, the, the Vril, Vril Society. From what I, my understanding is, yeah. But who knows? Right, who that, knows at this point? Think the same? Well, this is it. Like the, It seems to be people debating if the Vril Society was even a legitimate argument. So, I mean... Who's, who's to be sure? Yeah. Yeah, very true. Because you don't know. And anything that we were taught about history, when you really dig into it, you realize it's a little skewed or just there's a little a, bit off. Or there's just definitely a lot of weird not all stuff there. with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had fun kind of uh, refreshing myself from 
taking this kind of stuff in university. So it's it's been, you know, a couple of years, but it was really fascinating to kind of dive back into it. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Um, okay, let's start with the Viral Society. So Jay just has a little article he's going to read, just kind of a, a, a get to know the Viral for anybody at home that may not be familiar, <laughs> and then we'll get into our own personal ideas about all of it. I just had a little idea in my head, like a little pamphlet going around, get to know the Viral, and they're get passing, to know the Vril. just passing around. But really, it's just like mind speaks sent straight to your brain. All right. The Vril Society is an alleged secret society many believe gave birth to the Nazi party. The World War II era was, was a time when many mysteries were created, when no one was really sure whether or not the rumors that they heard were true. This was especially true about Nazi Germany. For many historians, the, the Vril Society remains a prime example of how truly bizarre some of the rumors about the Nazi regime were. For occult researchers, the Vril Society quickly became an example of how technology and magic can be used for evil. You want to keep going from there, or you got anything to say about that? Uh, I, I'm good. Daphne, you have anything? No, I, I like that. I like the introduction. You can keep going with that. Alrighty. Named after a popular 19th century novel by the name of Vril, The Power of, Com of the Coming Race, the book was widely appreciated throughout uh, the English-speaking world, and talked about an antediluvian race that had access to a highly advanced energy source called Vril. Now, I'm wondering, um, is this also like what like the Chinese, or I think it's Chinese, would call it like chi, or like... A, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not sure. So I know a lot of these original ideas, well, some of them also come from Madame Blavatsky, mm -hmm. and they kind of turned a lot of her words, because mm -hmm. I mean, she obviously wasn't alive when it came down to it to decipher for herself of what she meant to say but i actually i was diving into her life a little bit and she was not into what some of her works got turned into gotcha okay i just didn't know if that if what they consider you know advanced energy sources kind of like like organite you know uh, forget the guy that came up with orgone theory and so stuff. whether it's a more of a an us produced energy source or an actual by like an actual mineral or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, a source that's there that they're harnessing or a, mm -hmm. just a question out there. Just a question. Yes, for that for the ether to answer. All right, the Vrilya, I think I say that right. The race who lived underground. Supposed, that's why I'm having him read it. <laughs> supposedly had the <laughs> telepathic powers, highly advanced technology, and were able to do incredible amounts of damage simply by using a Vril wand. The superior ancient race that had control of Vril would run out of habitable spaces underground and that they would move up to the surface world. Since many people at the time believed in the possibility of an antediluvian race, there were also people who accepted the coming race as fact instead of fiction. It was about the hyperpopularity of the 1870s book that propelled the idea of Vril society into the realm of potential reality. Interesting stuff. That's pretty much good to take a break. So... Uh Basically, I had that in there because I wanted, for later on, when we start talking about these ancient super weapons, Vril wands. Hmm. So for the Vril Society, they weren't very described what these Vril, these supposed Vril wands were, but there were like weapons of mass destruction that could be held in your hand. So it's something you could point at something and make it all disappear. Was the Frogman a Vril Society member? Maybe. He, he might be the actual inner, <laughs> the pre-Devonian or whatever they said. Anti-Diluvian. Anti-Diluvian. I always think biology pre-Devonian. Close enough. <laughs> Anything for that, Daphne? Yeah, well, just to touch on what you just said, where, where when I was doing research into that, when some of the people were kind of questioned on, you know, the magic side 
of all of that, they would say, well, how come we didn't see it or how come that's not recorded? And, that, and that's what they would say, that, that these weapons would make mm-hmm. basically enemy and enemy things in the way kind of disappear and i was like well that's kind of a convenient explanation but like the fact that they were just very legit and serious about it it mm-hmm. just kind of just question going what the heck was going on back then you know it's very strange but at the same time very fascinating mm-hmm. yeah especially when we get to well, we're going to get into some weapons later but like uh thor's hammer especially seemed to be one of yeah. great interest but uh there was one definition i found from i think it was from himmler where it's just like basically they claimed it was just a weapon they could harness untold power and it was controlled lightning thunder and you pointed it at a kingdom and the kingdom would disappear in a flash. Hmm. Yeah. It, it always kind of sounds like an uh, an atomic bomb almost. Just a bit. nothing. <laughs> there's light and then there's flat. Or like what they or whatever you, was used at Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and yeah. Gomorrah. Like sulfur bombs or mm. whatever. And when it comes to magic in general, especially in history, it's like anything that kind of hovers over that topic is, you know, pushed away. Things you aren't taught in school, things you aren't much learned about. And it's hard to get access to learn things about that. And I think that's where the occult part kind of comes in. It's secret knowledge. And it's like, it's just weird. It's all weird. But it's, it's like... weird. Yeah. It's weird when you don't understand it or have the knowledge to understand it really even. Mm-hmm. Hitler was one of the most evil men in history. And then you, that's, I think that's partially why some people bury it is because then you're like, well, he's also hunting for Thor's hammer and he had the spirit of destiny, mm-hmm. which we'll get into. That's, that's a fun one. It doesn't m- mesh well with our Marvel stories of today. Mm-hmm. You, uh, anything to add Daphne before we move on a little bit? Oh, we can definitely move on from there. I'm excited to see where we're, we're going yeah a lot of this first little bit is just uh getting to know the subject for everybody at home that may not be as familiar with it exactly exactly well the rural society i mean that's something that you don't seem to hear and i mean most people when they when they talk about uh you know hitler or himmler they know a little bit like oh was he just superstitious was he just into you know um what are those stones on the end of strings and kind of whirling them over maps yeah oh yeah yeah uh Map divining. Is that what it's called? Yes. Pendulum divining. Mm. Uh, there we go. There was the guy, and I'm just now, I'm, his, I'm losing his name. Uh, one of Hitler's top guys for map divining, he found, uh, I, I can't think of his name. Wasn't Goring, was it? No, but he found a small, like, Nazi spy vessel. They, they, the Nazis knew where it was. They had it pulled up on a map to prove his abilities. And he divined it and found it, and it was actually off the coast of Norway, where it wasn't supposed to be at all. Hmm. And but he found it. He's like, oh, it's right there. Wow. And then so he was on Hitler's cabinet after that. He earned his spot. Yeah, they believed him. And well, then he would. What? What'd you say? <laughs> I said you better hope you're right. You're gonna. It's not gonna yeah. Be good if you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get all the way to Hitler's office and you got to prove this ability, you better be good at it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Or there's a. I mean, I've heard of There's fake a certain it, place you're ending up. Fake it till you make it, but... Uh, Not when you're going to Hitler's court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that may be the last place you want to do that mm-hmm. for. All right. Um, let's continue on here. One of the most bizarre issues about the Vril Society was how little was written about, about it during what would have been their most active years. Much of the written accounts of the rumors of the Vril Society were first found in a book by Louis Pauls and Jacques... Bergier, I was yeah, just going to guess that. Names and, or names. In 1967, 
A large portion of the book spoke about the Vril Society's doings, including their involvement in the legendary Nazi inventions, their communications with aliens, occult dealings, and aiding Hitler and, and his highest-ranking soldiers escape to the South Pole. Bum, bum, bum. That's definitely a future, t- or continue, we're going to talk about that, I'm sure. Unfortunately for those who are um, curious to find out the truth about some of the more out-there Nazi rumors, neither Pauls or Berger actually said whether or not the book's section was fictional fact or just sheer speculation. Prior to the 1967 book, the only mention of anything close to the Vril Society was in 1947 article by a German defector who spoke of a society that searched for the Vril in Berlin. The 1990s saw yet another wave of Vril-focused books being published by conspiracy theorists. And I don't like that term, and I don't like it. No, so the word conspiracy theorist is now meaning something different than it did back in this time. Right. Mm-hmm. But as far as the Vril versus the Thule, it, I think that basically the Nazis were more using the Thule Society, mm-hmm. which is at this point the high, and there's a lot written about the Thule Society after the Nazis got caught. And that's why I think there's not much about the Vril. Mm-hmm. I just think the Vril is the the dad or the grandpa of what the Nazis were using. Right, the original, yeah. the originator. It wasn't even the original. It just the the main one for the a while. The predecessor. Yeah, and that's just my opinion on what we. After I was doing the research on it, uh, what I was seeing because you could find a lot on the Thule, and you can find an actual like timeline and history and names of people that were running certain groups of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good thing about the Nazis, one of the only good things is they kept really good records of everything. I'm going to clip that out and just have you saying, the good thing about the Nazis, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, make it a button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have anything to add for that? Well, well, what you were saying about the records is that we saw that they were, had in-depth you know, sketches and books and everything to kind of back up all of their, um, whether it was their inventions or technology, mm-hmm. you know, like I think, the rat tank and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and the UFOs and what you were talking about uh, later. But the, um, I, I think one of the big things was when, when they, when the, you know, when the war kind of turned and they started to lose, I mean, I think they probably, you know, with a lot of the stuff that they wanted, had going on, they probably got rid of a lot of it themselves. You know, they probably oh, didn't want shredding you know, any everything. Find any of that. Yeah. I agree. I can see that secretary getting the call. Burn it all. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know how to say that in German, but it probably sounded more scary. <laughs> yeah. I don't speak German. I just Clearly. They, clearly. They, it's, it sounds like a very aggressive language. It, it's because it is. Grandma Sharon could speak a little German. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. No, right. no reason. <laughs> Good fun fact. She, she wasn't old enough for World War II. Oh, gotcha. Uh, what else? Uh, there was something else she said that I... This is great podcasting because I can't remember what I was my comment. Never well, mind. Continue. Articles are you were talking about saving like, notes, Navy saving notes, shredding technology, possibly. Yeah. Anything that ring a bell? They, they were really good bookkeepers, basically. Yeah. Oh, They're Daphne pretty- brought up uh, the Nazi UFOs, the bell, uh, the Glock. Mm-hmm. I do know that one. It's the Glock, which just means the bell. And there's all kinds yeah. of arguing whether it was an actual UFO or some kind of miniature nuclear reactor. Uh, and there's actually some speculation that it was made up as just a, uh, that the Nazis made it as a fake thing in case that base ever got taken, that when the U S would get there, it made no sense so that they would spend all this time trying to figure out what it did 
and they had it chained up and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's no proof that the U.S. caught got it, but there's the U.S. got it for sure. Either Russia or the U.S. got it. No, it's us. It's always us. Uh, what's his name that we put in front of or the head of NASA? He probably brought it over with him. Oh, uh, Werner von Braun. Von Braun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did they say that they found like that particular location where the bell was? Like, isn't that like a modern day known location? Yes. Yeah, so okay. here's the thing: is we have pictures of, of the that location housing the bell. Mm. And then we have pictures of it. And you can go there now, like you were saying. You can still go there, no bell. Mm-hmm. So there's no record right. of what happened to the bell. Is yeah. that, <laughs> did they give the prize out to the guy that uh, potentially finds it? The Nobel uh, the prize? The Nobel prize, no. You get the, bell, you get the <laughs> Nobel prize when you don't have the bell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Glad you can reach the buttons. That's <laughs> not good. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot. Of, and that's something we're going to get into heavy later. Is there's a lot of this stuff that just kind of disappears once the U.S. and Russia were kind of splitting up. So everybody at home doesn't yeah. know a lot of the Nazis that were for the Nuremberg trials, uh, the higher end ones and the the like the top of the top that we caught that we didn't kill got split up between basically the U.S. and Russia and, and put in front. Like uh, von Braun was a Nazi scientist. He mm-hmm. was a part of their their basically their space engineer program. So he made the head of ours. Yeah. And then Russia, I can't think of the one uh, Russia had in front of their, like the head of their biological disease lab. They got, that was their big guy they got. Now I can't think of it. Hmm. I think we took 750 of them. And I think Russia took over a thousand. But it was like the NFL drafts. We got the best picks first. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's weird. If you look at the Nuremberg records of the Nazis we court-martialed, uh, none of them are very high up. Mm-hmm. If you notice that when you start looking at the names of the scientists and stuff, uh, none of them are the top of any labs or anything like that. Those guys got condos in Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, a lot of higher ups too. That you know, when they started losing the war, that they a lot of them off themselves. Yes, because they yeah. knew, mm-hmm. uh, and especially it depends on where they were. Uh, if they knew the Russians were going to get him, most of those guys shot themselves. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them, uh, there was a handful of the Nazi scientists that went to the Americans because they knew they wouldn't shoot him at, at least first sight. God. They just knew yeah. they, they, that if I say I'm a scientist, I don't go out with a gun. I know they're at least not going to shoot me at point blank range. If I go out with the Russians, uh, right. they're just shooting all of us. Right, yeah. The Russians no killed question. a lot of German civilians too. No questions asked. Because the Russians uh, were literally, when they came into town, they were... Shooting everybody because they were very mad at the Germans. They had one job, yeah. They were very mad at the Germans. Yeah. For anybody that don't know uh, at home, uh, basically at the start of World War II, the Germans rushed away on it, and then Hitler turned on Russia, and mm. so Russia was not happy with Germany because they were going to take out the world together. Until mm-hmm. one faulty move, and that was a big downfall. As some people credit, the biggest downfall for Hitler is turning on the Russians. Mm-hmm. Because at that point in the world history, it was basically the U.S., Germany, Russia, and Japan were the superpowers. And yeah. it, Italy, too, maybe? Or? A little bit. And nobody cared about Italy. Oh, okay. Just their pizza. Italy didn't care about Italy. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. I talk a lot, if you can't tell. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything to add for that section? And, of course, now I'm just like, what were we just talking about? But yeah, no, I, I think we're just... Um, uh, so, uh, basically just 
you know, the Americans and the Russians kind of taking, taking who they could at that point. But yeah, no, I don't think I had anything else to add to that one. And then the stuff they could, because that it's, comes up specifically with one of the at, super weapons we're going to talk about. And we were talking about information just gone missing too. A lot of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me continue on about the Vril. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This should there shouldn't be much more after this. It should be getting to the end of the Vril. Yep, it's just about the end here. Um, all right. According to those who have researched the Vril Society at length, the secret society was initially established as the All-German Society for Mes- Metaphysics, headed by a medium by the name of Maria Orsic and another medium who only went by the name of Sigrun. These two mediums had gotten into contact with the Aryan aliens and were given the goal of spaceflight to reach the Aryan home planet of Aldebaran. Hopefully I said that right. Many of the original members were also active in the Thule Society, which was known to be an occult movement around the turn of the century. In some circles, the names were used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. And then, unlike many... This is about the end of the okay. thrill. I got a couple more paragraphs, so I'll power through them. Mm-hmm. Unlike many secret societies, people who have heard about the actions of the Real Society were quick to admit that the group's highly focused programs went into effect faster than anyone could have imagined. Officially, the Real Society was first really founded in 1921. Um, by the end of 1922, the Vril Society had supposedly created their first flying disc, also known as Otherworld Flight Machine. This was meant to be a test for interplanetary flight. The pace of technology creation, invention, and communication with high-ranking Nazi personnel was shocking to everyone who had heard of them. Uh, much of the heavy communication with government officials in Germany was facilitated by the fact that the, the Society's members were often high-ranking officials, as many people... As many people who have heard of the Vril Society may know, Adolf Hitler is one of the supposed members of the sect. It should come as no surprise that two of the other members of the Vril received government money for their flying saucer work, and that yet another member designed the Nazi flag was associated with both the Thule and the Vril Societies. By the early 1940s, people had begun to suspect Hitler's involvement in secret societies, practicing the occult, in order to save face to avoid such allegations. Uh, Adolf Hitler had to take steps to dismantle secret societies in Germany. So, on that, bef- uh, there was a lot there at the end. Do you There's guys know how Hitler got involved? I'm sure Daphne does. Jay, I don't know. You're crazy. Uh, do you know how Hitler got involved with the, the working party of Germany that became the Nazi Party? Yeah, they wouldn't let him in the art school. No, that's how he got mad. Oh, okay. <laughs> they didn't like watercolors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A side note, have you ever seen any of his paintings? Not bad. Not that bad. I know that sounds awful to say about such an evil person, but they're not they're not awful. That's what I was gonna say the same thing. Is that like if you just seen it, you'd be like, That's a that's a fairly talented human being. Mm-hmm. And then well, this is it he did fruit and he did architecture and buildings. Like we studied it as part of my university course for fine art and we looked at it and the inst- and the professor didn't tell us whose work mm-hmm. we were looking at wow, this is beautiful. And they're like, it's Hitler. So yeah. <laughs> We actually had the same thing when I went to college, but it was for my psychology class. Because okay. you were looking at, like, you can't, like, because one psychologist, it was something stupid. One psychologist was like, you can look at people's art forms and tell how they are inside. And then the other, then the, the, our teacher was like, you, you really can't sometimes, because he did that, he showed paintings. And it's like, well, what do you think about this person? And we're like, oh, a generally happy person. You know, it seems it's to be like Jeffrey Dahmer or something. No, it was Adolf <laughs> Hitler. Oh, it's Hitler. Okay. And it's like, oh, see, the man responsible for a lot of people's disappearance. Um, it goes. Yeah. It's a good theory though that modern academia 
you know, really shapes the minds. I can't stand it. You know, I worked, I worked with him forever, and I. So I'm saying Hitler was probably just an, a normal dude at one point until that turned around. Well, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that happened in his early childhood that changed. But anyway, so how he got involved with the Nazi working class party, aka it became the Nazi Party leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was paid after his. So he served in World War One, and actually got some medals and stuff like that. Like he was uh, said to be a very. It was weird. A very brave man, but an a-hole. Everybody in his, like, every unit he ever worked with hated him. But they kind of, sim- like, sometimes respected him, too, because he would do all the stuff that you didn't want to do, that you were scared to do. Hmm. But you could not stand him at night at a camp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so when he got out, the, the, the German government was paying certain people to go kind of hang out at these small reform parties. And kind of see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, Hitler was one of those people they were paying. So they actually, his job was to go to these small groups. And there's a reason I'm telling the story, I promise. Uh, yeah. Well, he'd go to one of these small groups and he would, you know, tell the government, okay, this one may be a threat. Okay, this one's not a threat, whatever. Well, the Nazi working class party, he went to that one. He was like, it's pretty big, but there's not like a hard leader yet. I think I could, uh, I think I could take the reins on this one. And guess who was one of the main members to that group? Any Probably guesses? Himmler. Himmler. Hmm. That's where they met. Yeah. And Himmler felt in what, for lack of a better word, he felt in love with Hitler. Thought everything, everything he ever did, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything he ever did was the greatest thing ever. And when we're going to get to here in a minute, that's why stuff got so out of control or so much hunt for these ancient super weapons yeah it all happened real fast off of each other's you know interests and passions and everything like that it was just like the worst bromance ever (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the title of the episode worst bromance ever nazi super weapons the worst bromance ever yeah uh but yeah what do you think about that so far before you start moving on to some of these uh these weapons the two h's looked for well, this is it. This is what I'm excited for because as weird as it is, I know a little bit more about Himmler, his involvement with yes. the occult and for all of these things more so than Hitler. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for everybody at home, and this is my personal opinion, and we'll, we can do this real quick before we get into the weapons. Uh, so Heinrich Himmler was the only person that is, be- that is believed by mo- you know most people that look into this that Hitler fully trusted. Himmler was the head of the SS, head of all kinds of other stuff. He was the only one Hitler would basically trust with his life mm-hmm. or trust to put in control of the stuff that would keep Hitler safe and all this stuff. Himmler was the guy. So on the side, Himmler was more into the occult thinking, a lot more than Hitler. Hitler believed some yeah. of it, it seems like, but others, it just, you know, not so much. But this was Himmler's big deal. So this is kind of... The treat that Himmler get, got to do is look for all this stuff because he was Hitler's right-hand man. So on his weekends, he'd go away and do stuff, and he'd send yeah. people to the Himalayas and to northern Norway. And uh, But that's that was kind of Hitler's way of buying, making sure Himmler didn't lose loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, what do you think about that? Well, that was one of his big things, too, was he would go – like, he would – for, for a while they had the funding to do it is they would get all kinds of projects to go like to Tibet. I think yep. Tibet was a big one. 
like that. He too. went. I think Himmler went to Tibet six times personally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But sent many, many groups down to Tibet. That's it. There was groups of like five soldiers and all this kind of stuff yeah. that he would send out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a big draw for him. I know, uh, like Hitler, Himmler kind of got not mad, but irritated towards the end of the war, like you were saying, funding, and then the war was getting more and more serious for coming to Germany. So Hitler was like, "You can't leave right now." Like, yeah, you're yeah. the only guy I know is not going to shoot me in the back of the head when I turn around. Exactly. Because exactly. It's like put Thor's hammer on hold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys ready for Nazi super weapons? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who do we got first? I don't remember how what order I put them in. It doesn't matter. If you have any, like I said, if you have any you added that I didn't have on my list, you we, more than happy to talk about them. I just had, I think I had the four most common ones is talked about. Yeah, I think you had the Spear of Destiny first. Spear of Destiny. All right. Yeah. So this is a fun one. I'll give a little spiel about it before we, and then we'll just kind of talk about it. So for everybody at home that doesn't know, the Spear of Destiny is the spear used. Uh, so one of the guards, when uh, Jesus Christ was crucified, uh, one of the guards actually took pity. And some people kind of twist this different ways, but as far as the actual understanding of the event, when Jesus was dying on the cross, a guard took this spear and tried to end Jesus' life to help him because he was suffering horribly. Uh, so the spear had the Christ, the, the blood of Christ on it and became a divine, at that point, a divine weapon or signal of power or luck charm, depending on which story you really want to get into. Mm-hmm. So the craziest thing about the Spear of Destiny, we have 100% documentation. Hitler actually had it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he went down and taken it. Do you remember what country he got it from? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Yes. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's see if I have it in my notes. Oh, it, Austria. It, oh, I thought it was. Or the Hofburg oh, Museum you, of Vienna. Yes. On loan yeah, from the, it, oh, it was in the Museum of Vienna. On loan from the Austrian government. Mm. Yes, yeah, so Hitler actually right. possessed it. Yeah. What'd you say? I'm sorry. It, it, so, yeah, sorry about that. I said I knew it was in the museum, but I couldn't remember where it was. Yes. So, and then there's a fun story about it. Uh, whoever, fun. Yeah. So the Spear of Destiny has a lot of weird rules with it. Like, as in for as legend and stuff. That if you lose or the Spear of Des- Destiny is taken from you, you die. That day. You can give it away, though. So, like, if you gave it to the museum, you're not going to die that day, is my understanding of how the the rules work. But if somebody, like, physically takes it from you, you're or dead you meat. drop it into the ocean, you die. Hmm. Now, do you know where the Spear of Destiny is now? That I do not know. Now, there's, uh, so there's a couple weird stories. There's one in a museum somewhere that is claimed to not be the Spear of Destiny. Because do you know who got the Spear of Destiny (laughs) after Hitler? Oh, jeez. Famous U.S. general. I was going to say, I'm like, it's got to be the Americans. (laughs) Yes, you're right. But it's specifically one guy. Okay, no, I do not. So the story is General Patton got it. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. And then he threw it into one of the rivers in the U.S., and it was the same day he died. Oh, jeez. Because he, uh, there was some like, it was, once again, this is, everything involving this is muddy. Right. Everyone we're going to talk about is muddy. Uh, but yeah, 
And then there's one in the museum somewhere that everybody's like, oh, that's fake. Like, uh, I wish Gertrude was still alive. But, you know, some of these people that lived to see it and stuff like that were like, well, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Like, I seen the real one. That's not what it looked like. And I wonder if uh, it could be like a, like they're saying it's a hoax, when in reality it really is the thing, so people don't even attempt to... No, if it's re- if they really have it, it's in a lab somewhere powering Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your thoughts on The Spirit of Destiny so far, Daphne? Well, what was that What was that movie? I was going to say, I'm like, the best thing, best reference for people is that movie that focused on The Spirit of Destiny, angels and demons and all that kind of stuff. Oh, not so, The Da Vinci Code, right? Not The Da Vinci Code, no. Oh, gosh, what was that movie? I know what movie you're talking about. Did it have uh, uh, Keanu Reeves in it? I was just a bit, I'm like, who's the guy from The Matrix? Was it like, Keanu Reeves. Like, I know what it is, too, and I can't. I want to say, like, Michelangelo, but it's not that. It's something. It's not that. But, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, like, whenever, it's almost like my own little, I know you don't like the word conspiracy theory, but whenever they make movies that really focus on these specific artifacts and, and everything, it's kind of just making down so make-believe like no way but you know they're hiding it somewhere Mm -hmm. yep yep and i think that is a part of the disinformation is making you think that these things didn't exist or like you said like these are mythical things that aren't real Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and that may be a big part of the disinformation with stuff like that did you say uh you you die if you have the spear taken from you yes and Hitler died the day he lost it. So Patton, what if he did have it? And what if someone within our own government took it from him? So that's one of the stories. The other, like, and I mean, then, that's one in thought. But like, and he then he suicided himself with two bullets in his head. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because it's really hard to suicide with two bullets. That's how it's CMO. But uh, but yeah, like the story is he threw it in the river, and there was like he had was like he knew what it was, and he didn't want anybody else to have it, mm-hmm. so he got rid of it. And oh, shoot. And the, the, the other part I need, I say I forgot to mention is that once it's lost like that, even if you know where it was thrown in and stuff like that, if you threw it in a pond, you can't retrieve it unless it's divinely chosen for you. So it can be thrown in a two acre pond and once it's gone like that, it's just there's weird there's weird stuff with it, you know. Like you're waiting for a glowing light to beam down on it. It's yep. you. Like the lady like, in the lake story. Basically. What do you think about the spear, Jay? Uh, it was also called the Staff of Longinus or something, or Spear of Longinus. I don't know. I think it does have some mystical uh, probably power to it as to what that power is. It might just say you're going to win whatever battle you have ahead of you. You know, it just gives you divine. It gives you the, the edge you're going to win. You know what I mean? Like it's just automatic. It's an automatic ace up the sleeve right, card. Right, yeah, I agree. And I think that's what it is. But – uh not like it, you can stand on top of a hill and it's like a staff and it shoots lightning bolts right. at the end. There's actually, I can't remember which portrait of Hitler actually has it in the back. Hmm. It's like leaned up against the wall in the back kind of deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, there, it, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I forgot about that. But like, no, Jay, with what you were saying, like, do you mean, like, if you have it, like, do you believe in its actual, potentially divine power? Or do you think it's more of, like, a placebo effect, where if you have it, you might work harder to, to achieve something? Like, what do, you, what, do you, hmm. what do you think? That's a good way to look at it, It's too. a good way to look at it, but I was thinking of it in terms it does have divine power. Like, it's got, yeah. like, just something. I mean, I mean, if, if it had the blood of Christ, you know, on it, it might have... Right 
obtain some mystical, otherworldly, divine intervention power or something. Cheat codes. Yeah. Cheat codes. It's a game shark. It's a game shark for real life. Basically. <laughs> I know which one you're chomping at the bit for the most, but do you have anything else for the Spear of Destiny? Uh, the only thing that I was going to say, and I don't know if you were planning on kind of like mentioning this, was I find it interesting too because Hitler really didn't like Christianity. Right. So the fact obsession with overtly Christian artifacts, mm -hmm. I just I just found really just just kind of odd. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, you know, one group of people comes in and they change everything, like changing pagan religions over to Christians and mm -hmm. what they did. Mm -hmm. Didn't seem interested in changing the religion more or less, going, We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push that out, but we're gonna keep some of the things that I like. I always said, thought that was kind of an interesting mm -hmm juxtaposition for lack of a better word <laughs> and I, I can't remember i did read something about that with him where that he thought that the christian religion pulled a lot of these super weapons from like the norse and stuff that he believed yeah. that these weapons were real that were written about in christianity but he just thought the christian like you were saying they ripped them off mm. yeah so yeah. you know they just stole them from other religions mm -hmm. that's a good take and like the the swastika itself was a religious symbol i i think you know yep that's, that's the oldest users of it i believe i think even older there's the native even americans older. have one yeah about, uh, it's just an old yeah. old old it's, thing you know why it's an easy symbol to make i also think it i think it represented like the four seasons too it got into stuff yeah like there's that. all kinds there's with everybody i, I know there's one in japanese mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. It's just an easy symbol it's, to make jainism it was in their symbol too so the boy scouts of america uh, that was their symbol up until uh, 1924. So I actually have a Boy Scouts of America handbook from 1916. Hmm. And it's in the other room, and it's got a big swastika no. on it. Oh my gosh! What a that's kind of a neat a neat thing to kind of just have. Mm -hmm. So I was working. Comes over, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was working out. Uh, it was actually the restore here in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were going to throw it out because they were like, oh, it's got a swastika on it. I'm like, what do you mean it's got a swastika on it? Like, it's, and I'm like, it's the Boy Scouts of America. I didn't yeah. know it, that they that's yeah. what they did. And that's actually, that's why Hitler picked the swastika. Yeah, it was like a symbol piece, wasn't it? Well, he specifically picked it because it was already here in America. Mm -hmm. So he yeah. was using it to unite a lot of his citizens because he used, the, the Americans were already doing this. Mm -hmm. And that was one of his biggest things with all how, like, his political stuff. I was like, well, the Americans are already doing this. The Americans are already doing this. Because pretty much the world at that point was looked at as America as the most prosperous, high-functioning country on the planet. Mm -hmm. So if the Americans are doing it, it's a good idea. Yeah. And so then that way, you know, he could show little TV clips and stuff like that from Americans that have a little Boy Scout handbook, has a big swastika on it. So the swastika wasn't a foreign symbol. It was a symbol of, you know, prosperity of America right, a little yeah. bit at that point. Mm -hmm. That's why he picked the swastika because it was kind of internationally recognized already. And then it's funny how fast everybody else dumped it. Oh, for sure. And they still do today. Yeah. Still. I mean, really, you shouldn't be putting a swastika on the side of your house and being like, it's the Indian peace symbol. Right. I know. I understand that. But <laughs> Will you say that again, Daphne? It cut out for a second. Yes. No. Sorry. I just I spoke over you. Sorry about that. But I just said, yeah. Don't put that on the side of your house. <laughs> I don't care if you're right or not. But if you paint a big swastika on the side of your house, no, guys. I swear, somebody is going to be upset in the neighborhood. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, I'm a Boy Scouts fan. Come on. 
All right. Anything else for the Spear of Destiny? Nope. Mm. Let's continue on. I was going to say, it's only my it's my favorite one of this whole list just because there's 100% proof Hitler actually got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had it. Yeah, and that, but not saying anything else against these other ones we're going to talk about, but it just is fun to me because I'm like, well, yeah, people have like seen Hitler waving it around. <laughs> woo yeah. woo Oh, yeah. he had it always in his office. Yeah. Well, yeah. He must I have would. had some affinity towards if it. I, uh, if I worked that hard to get that thing, I'd be uh, carrying that around all the time. It's like your Bigfoot cast. Mm-hmm. I carry them around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The Holy Grail. So I'll do a little quick blurb real quick about what the Holy Grail is for people at home that may not actually know what the Holy Grail is. Okay. Uh, the Holy Grail is the cup or the chalice that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. Uh, so it is considered to have a lot of religious uh, significance to the Christians. Uh, and it was always funny to me in the uh, Indiana Jones series that how Indiana is like, it's just pick the clay cup. Like Jesus was not a fancy man. He wasn't going to drink out of a gold diamond encrusted chalice. He was going to drink out of a, a clay cup. Mm-hmm. So that's what the Holy Grail is. Um, there's some proof that the Vatican had it for a period of time. Uh, same with actual pieces of the cross, which I didn't have on this list. But Hitler, not Hitler, Himmler was very obsessed with getting the pieces of the cross. Because there was, I can't remember what warship it was. This is like the 14th century, a warship put that in their mass, a piece of the cross. Yeah. And they never lost a battle. It was like 100 years solid. So it was, it's just weird. Divine so if, intervention. That's what he was going to put. start putting them in tanks. Here's a little splinter of cross. Uh, <laughs> but that's the Holy Grail. So who wants first, who wants first crack at it? Go ahead, Jay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> my, my ideas might be a little more out there. That's fine. Just so we are clear. There's no proof that Hitler actually got it, or Himmler got it. What if the Holy Grail was not so much a physical item, but more just access to, like, I don't know, infinite thought and ideas? Like, kind of like the idea how the real people pulled the the technology to build flying saucers and stuff. And, like, if Jesus drank from the Holy Grail, it was really like a saying for he had infinite knowledge within him and he's drinking from the cup of infinite knowledge and i don't know he could that's why he could perform all of his miracles and things like that or you're not too far off from what himmler thought it was ah okay all right that's about all i got though daphne well, the only thing that I was going to say on that was because you mentioned um, the Da Vinci Code earlier. Was that like like Jay said that it wasn't a physical cup? Well, it was the same thing within the Da Vinci Code. Was they didn't think it was a physical cup, but it, for them it was an actual person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so it's just kind of neat how things kind of either get lost in translation mm-hmm. or they it's just they say it's a physical item, but actually it's metaphysical or something else. Right. So it's always kind of where that goes and who believes what. Hmm. Do you guys want me to tell you what Himmler thought it was? Of course. <laughs> so one of his leading thoughts was that it was actually a amulet or a device for internal life. Oh, So okay. an immortality talisman or whatever you want to call it. A, a fountain of youth in your pocket? Kind of. Uh, yeah, something like that. Okay. Where, because just depending on which translation of what Jesus said during the Last Supper or whatever, it was the guarantee for eternal life. Hmm. 
So as Christians, they took it as, okay, for the afterlife. And then Himmler took it as more of a literal translation of this is the thing that grants you this ability. Hmm. And he wanted it for boss as a birthday present. Immortality. <laughs> but this is one of the few he actually went, or he was able to go and search for. Um, he went and looked for it in the Marnaset Mountains uh, region, in, oh gosh, in a, in a country that doesn't exist anymore. I'm not even, Catalina? Uh, Kath, it doesn't exist. Catalina Wine Cat Mixer? Yes, it's the Catalina Wine Mixer is where Himmler went to look for the Holy Grail. <laughs> Uh, I never find it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, so he searched uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I had for the Holy Grail. I was hoping you guys would have a little more. Jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an item that we don't even know is real or not. I know. This is the next one's the big one. Anything else for the Grail? Well, the one more thing for the Grail was the fact that, like, where he was trying to figure out its location was from that um, his from one of Hitler's favorite composers, Richard Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, in Percival and in ancient poetry and all that kind of stuff with King Arthur, and of course that just goes on a whole nother tangent on its own. Like he's just pulling from all kinds of whether it's Norse and Celtic mythologies. Like it's 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 just stuff that you could just read into for like. It's endless. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, is, so. it is crazy to me how much Himmler could research this and still run most of the Nazi party. Busy man. I, he, uh, that was one thing. I can't remember what documentary I was watching about uh, the Nazi party. But Himmler, that was his best credit, is his amazing ability to separate his fun and his job, hmm. but his organization capabilities. Yeah. And that's what basically they credit Himmler for all the trickle down of structure and organization hmm. yeah and swift punishment himmler kind of seems for what we're talking about now kind of a goofy fun guy he was not uh nope. he would shoot you very fast he did not take failure he did not take mistakes uh he did not take anybody stepping out of line probably didn't like fart jokes probably not he didn't have time probably. for that <laughs> oh it did time for a couple of drinks so like wasn't he an alcoholic as well i don't think he slept so i think he drank at night <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, which would make no, a, no time, no time for sleep. He sounds like a robot. Yeah, Ooh. or an alien, or an AI, a oh, hybrid <laughs> alien. <laughs> All right, here's Daphne's favorite, mm -hmm. the hammer. Uh, but yeah, Thor's hammer. <laughs> no, the hammer. The hammer. The hammer. Thor's <laughs> hammer. Uh, so. Just for everybody at home, I'll give, I'll do the same thing, and we're, I think this is the one Daphne's going to just take control of, so I can leave the room. Uh, <laughs> but so Thor's hammer is obviously everybody knows what Thor's hammer is, mostly because of Marvel comics and stuff like that. Now nowadays it's um, Mjolnir, or however it's pronounced. Um, but it was said to control lightning and thunder, and was able to wipe out entire kingdoms in a flash of light. Hmm. Uh, what Himmler and Hitler believe, this is one of the few Hitler really got behind. Uh, they, they thought it was basically a holdable atomic bomb. Something you could just take and point at a place you didn't like and make the place disappear. Uh, and yeah. They kind of had word that other people were working on technology that was kind of like this. So they're like, oh, it's just ancient technology that they already, they already had it. 
Hmm. And that's just one school of thought. Obviously, we can't ask these people what they really thought anymore because they're both dead. Yep. Uh, rightfully. I'll get that out there. Uh, but yeah. So, Daphne, you you get first crack. Well, what I found the most interesting about uh, Hitler and Himmler's interest in Thor's hammer was like when Hitler was still pretty young and kind of getting into everything uh, about his own heritage. He looked at obviously Norse mythology, the Aryan race, and that's kind of what spurred him on. So, I mean, if you have these ancient gods, to the idea that you're going to look at what they, you know, they thought is gods, but they would still look at their objects that they had, like Thor's hammer, for example, and for, you know, for Himmler to run with that with Hitler and be like, no, we're going to find this. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's just really eye-opening to, you know, just, just the madness or, you know, creativity or whatever you want to call it behind these people, their, their workings to be like, no, we're going to find that whether it's based off mythology or they thought it was, well, which they did thought it was very real. Um, you know, that Atlantis, the whole, the whole thing, like they, they just pulled from every type of mythology and with Hitler, it was huge with Norse mythology. So that's, that's what I found the most interesting about it. It's not just a Marvel movie anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Another big thing is uh Madame Blavatsky. I can never say her name. She was actually like a Russian princess. Before she left the Russian, uh, the Russian uh, monarchy. Okay. Um, but she had the whole thing that came up with root races and stuff like that. Uh, her idea was to definitely not take it how it was written. Uh, but, as far as root races and yes. stuff? Okay. Because one of them was the Aryans. The last root race was the Aryans. So yeah. that's why Hitler got the idea. Like you were saying, everybody that wasn't of that race, of the Aryans, out of the, 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 the Nordic people was mudbloods mm-hmm. yep and you know just to be wiped out and hitler actually the hitler and himmler himmler was in charge of it and then the other guy i can never remember his name the evil doctor that starts with the m he's one oh, of the, the guy that built the tools to do measurements and everything yes like yeah he would he brought breeding camps for people yeah. that he believed had the best uh genetic qualities genetics to get back to the aryan wow uh, and like she was, like Daphne wow. was saying, is he had to measure the bones of your head in your hands, and yep. uh, he shot. He basically, basically, you get in a line, he'd measure you, and he'd point you one or two ways, mm-hmm. and the one yep. you got shot in the back of the head, and the other one you were put in a breeding camp, mm-hmm. that you yep. did not have a good choice about. So just a eugenics. Yes, it thing. was very, very much eugenics. Yeah. I uh, mean, and it, and that really got pushed, like the Davis, especially with so many of the uh, of the german people at that time being in the military they they actually had uh, certificates that basically said that they were aryan and they had to be able to present those so it was just yeah again i'm running out of like cool words say but it was just kind of neat and at the same time really messed up if they're like i have a certificate for you know my head measurements (laughs) there was one i just was listening to a podcast yesterday about this topic so i would be a little more versed but there was one doctor that Hitler had uh, that they found out he lied. So it was 30th degree. You had to be able to prove you were Aryan to the 30th degree, like you were talking about with the, the chart. He lied yeah. at the 25th degree. Do you, like That's 400 years ago, 500 years ago. They found out that he wasn't Aryan. Whoa. And huh. they took him out that day and shot him. Wasn't, oh, my God. Wasn't fired. Killed. Yeah. 
and they didn't say anything to him. Uh, one of the SS, uh, basically, record checkers was going back through proofing everything. And like, oh, blah, 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 has a mistake on his paperwork. And they looked into it and like, oh, he's Nyarian. All right, well, take care of him. Or have his job filled by the morning. Yeah. Very efficient. Man. That's what they were known for. It's running parallel. Ah, let's just say parallels to some things today, but let's just not get into that. Yeah, be careful what you say. Jerry. Yeah, all right. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that how it's just weird. It's all of it's just weird. I keep saying it, but like you were saying, they took the the Norse mythology because that's what they believe the Aryans came off the ice sheets. How and there's a reason they believe they came off the ice sheets because the the thing Jay really wants to talk about what. The whole, to the whole, to the earth. Oh, oh, they, yes, yes, yes. That's why they came out of, they think they came out of the north is because the portal to the inner earth is up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's all so freaky that what one of the scariest people we can think about in history believed in all of this or sent parties to search for it. I don't know. It's just, it blows my mind. It and it almost like when I think about stuff like this, they always tell you, at least looking back at history, when you're what things you're taught and told. They always tell you, you know, this is what things were, this is how things were. And then when you like actually go back and look at some things like this, for example, things were just a little bit different and a little more freaky. Not freaky, but just not cut and dry as what we were told it was. And I feel like they use they use like that as as a way to misdirect you like they'll lead you down the rabbit hole like on the right path and where you're going but then subvert you any way they can at the end to where you're not actually figuring out the truth at the end of the at the end of the tunnel it just it's constantly taking you down this road and where there's some truth you're gonna you feel that and you're gonna follow it a little bit but then it always just diverts in the nonsense nothingness where you can't put your finger on where anything actually it's concrete evidence of actually existing or actually being as it was. But things are just framed nowadays in certain ways to where you should believe in this. And if you don't believe this, you're, uh, I don't know, you're, you're going off the deep end or you're crazy or you're, these things aren't possible. But it's just weird how a lot of things in history, in this major example, is just, just always not what you're told. I guess that's the best way I can put what's, it. What's one thing we, I always say? It's a famous quote. Um, History is written by the victors. Oh, true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, they say to control. If you control the past, you control the present. If you control the present, you control the future. So once you change the past and you control it, basically the narrative, you're in control of everything else in front of it. Mm-hmm. Any Daphne? Anything else to add for Thor's hammer? No, I think. Oh. I think that. I think that's it for me. I was going to add something. I think we might have a modern day version. I was trying to look it up to get the right name, but it's called like the Rods of God. Have you heard that? Yes. Is that very similar? Don't bring him up again. Why is that? Because <laughs> literally the next thing on this list talks about him. Oh, well, shoot. <laughs> if you would read the stuff I send you. I see. I already, it's already locked away in there. You just got to You got to find the key to open it up. He doesn't look at anything. All right. So on the Rods. Let's move on to our fourth uh, super-powered, ancient, whatever you want to call it, super-weapon, the Ark of the Covenant. Mm, Okay. So, Jay, what is in the Ark of the Covenant? 
I don't personally know, I'll be honest. I know the Ark is described as you bring it, they would bring it to the war. You can't touch it or open it, but you bring it to like the, the battles and the wars, right? And you're automatically win. Is that like the gist of it? Yeah. So there's three things in it that are God related, Christianity related, super powerful objects. Okay. And that is why it has, it is probably the most important one on this list. Because of what is inside it, and plus the thing, the box itself, right? Uh, and we actually, due to the Bible, we have a very good description of what the box looked mm-hmm. like. Uh, there's some very nice replicas of it. Uh, it's one like there's whole chapters of the Bible dedicated to explaining what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. Mm-hmm. So we know pretty well. But the first thing is the golden pot of manna. Uh, it helped Israel, and uh, it helped provide Israel through their walk through the wilderness. Uh, so yeah, it basically was the endless pot. So it's kind of a weird. Th- if you want, as far as the Christian definition, it's the endless pot of food, bread. Oh okay. Uh, so it f- would feed the whole country of Israel on its mo- march f- to provide for. Right. Yep. The second thing are Aaron's rods, or the rods of God. Oh okay. Which you were just about to talk about. In a way. What'd you say? Is it there you go, Jay? <laughs> And the third thing is the tablets of the covenant. Oh, okay. The Ten Commandments. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so these are three very high, basically, pieces of Christianity, uh, super powerful objects mm-hmm. in one box. Mm-hmm. And the box itself is divine. Right. So if you want to look at it like that, you have four divine things in one go. So that's why armies, Israelites and stuff, would carry it into battle. And they'd have to... So there's a very... So we actually got to see somebody set up the tent of the Ark of the Covenant uh, in Kentucky uh, at the Creation Museum. So they set up. It was very, very specific of the actual. So it didn't have. It was weird. It had to be set up in a certain way at the battle site for it to work. And it okay. had to have a wash pit and everything in front of it. It's it's crazy complicated, even down to the types of grommets they oh, had to use for the tent. A wash pit? For your hands and feet before you oh, go in. Gotcha. Okay. Because when you'd get to the battle, there would be basically the first room inside the tent, uh, and then past that would be a giant golden cloth wall. So behind that is the Ark of the Covenant, and the holiest priest or whoever was in charge of it would actually open it, and you would be able to actually talk to God mm-hmm. in that aspect in behind the golden. The golden curtain was for your protection. Uh, and it was actually a cloth interwoven with gold. Mm-hmm. We just talked about using gold for eye shields and something else. Do you remember? For uh, solar radiation, right? The astronauts. Mm-hmm. They actually have golden helmets. The face guards gold, a gold uh, fabric, because it reflects solar radiation. So you have this one. I'm going to say the most powerful artifact in the Bible mm-hmm. is the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And that's. They were very obsessed with it. Right. Whether they found it or not, it's a different thing. Uh, but what Himmler believed it was, or the, most of the Nazis believed, it was a, a, a power source. And uh, they that's just basically a, a, a power source of untold power. Like a nuclear reactor? Basically. And that's the all the procedures into keeping you safe. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, only, like, it was just weird. It had a lot of, a very lot of exact rules. That were written right of how to deal with the ark of the covenant specifically all right that's my spiel daphne what do you think 
Well, I, I was kind of curious, like, um, I, I did not know what I should have done was actually look into the more of the physical description of the arc. But for like, for people like me, that might have only seen the Indiana Jones, is that what it's supposed to look like? Yeah, that's a pretty I mean, good depiction. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, the tablets were depicted as being relatively large themselves. I mean, if you have big, heavy things, it would obviously have to be something of decent size and stability to carry all that stuff around. So I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder if that's accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. And uh, I think it actually could have been bigger. I think it was bigger than that in the, in the actual Ark of the Covenant, the Indiana Jones movie. Uh, the okay. real physical arc is uh, probably a little larger. I had seen, when I was down in Kentucky... I had seen their the one built to actual measurements and stuff like that. It's it's big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I okay. think it took. I think it took twenty men to carry. Whoa! Okay. Oh, go on. It was it was okay. not. I mean, it's, the box is gold or two giants. Well, right. actually, God took care of a lot of the giants. If you read the Bible, Jay. Well, true. Uh, the giants <laughs> were not. Yeah, they didn't do good with the Israelites. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So what else do you think about the Ark of the Covenant for this aspect in regards to the Nazis? Well, I mean, they, was that one of the, because they obviously didn't find it, right? Like that was one of the things that they were trying to, oh, we don't know that one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. It depends on who you listen to. A lot of people had a lot of guns pointed at them when they were telling these these facts at the end. <laughs> so it matters how much you want to take somebody's confession at gunpoint seriously or not. Uh. Because, yeah. But, no, technically they didn't. This was the big push into Italy. Is Hitler thought all these things were hidden in the Vatican. Or, like, a handful of these things may have been hidden in the Vatican catacombs. Uh, okay. The Ark of the Covenant probably is there. Our last... I can't remember. The actual last reportings of it were in the 13th century, of where we knew about its whereabouts, I think. Or maybe the 15th. It was... Not that long ago, when you mm. really look at it, it was relatively known, uh, and then it kind of disappeared. But that's the same time frame if you look at it when the Vatican was snatching everything up. Yeah. Uh, so it looks it it fingers point that the Vatican has it. I bet we could figure it out if we put our minds to it. No. Where would the U.S. government hide something like this? No, I think the Vatican has it. Wow. I don't think so. Personally, I don't think the Nazis ever got it. This was kind of on the top of Hitler's wish list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point, when they were looking at going to Italy to get it, it was like, okay, no, we're we can't we can't afford the manpower to go deal with this when we have these two monstrous countries coming in at us both sides. And at that point, when Hitler was, I think it was right when the the Japanese the the Western theater for the U.S. was starting to close down. Uh, it was coming to the draw, mm-hmm. or you know, the, the the Japanese surrendering. Yeah. Uh, so Hitler was. Out of time. Mm-hmm. And so this was, I think, the last one they were looking for. Because I think they they were pretty confident themselves. The Vatican had it. And for the first part of the war, Italy was on their side. And then, you know, once again, same thing he did with Russia. <laughs> then they found out they were looking for their secret box. Yeah. And so it's just, I think Hitler was basically planning on saving that one till after the war effort, till the war effort got really bad. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, I know that I know the Italians have it, but I kind of need them right now. And then when it was already over, they was like, ah, crap, you know. <laughs> too little, too late. Yeah, too little, too late. Well, with all of their interest in finding these, how 
how public were they with the rest of their with the with the rest of the military like i know that himmler sent away very specific groups to find certain things mm-hmm. but like for the masses like were they aware of hitler and himmler's that no, they weren't eh? they didn't okay. have a clue they knew hitler uh came from the start so the nazi workers party was one of these societies or not societies one of these uh these groups that were looking at older uh, German beliefs. Uh, so Hitler got an office on that. So that's why Hitler started shutting down. He actually shut down uh, secret science societies or Which is occult what, yeah. societies. We talked about at the top. Yeah. Here. And he did that to say like, oh no, this is the only, this is the path that's right to old Germany and how we can regain our popularity. So Hitler was actually putting on the face that this stuff, uh, it's not, it's weird. It was a weird thing. He's like, we only want the old German stuff. Uh, but Himmler yeah. actually went to Scandinavia, so one of the three countries that is now Scandinavia, uh, so maybe Sweden, northern Sweden or something, hmm. and took pictures of people that fit witch descriptions, trying oh, okay. to prove that uh, Germanic witches still existed. Propaganda runs wild. So Hitler was, on one side, telling people, like, no, there's a little bit of this is right, uh, you know, it's okay, but you don't want to go crazy with it like any religion. Hitler was on the front against pretty much every organized religion. Uh, and on the backside, like you were saying, he was having Himmler send special groups pretty much all over the world. Uh, there was groups, Himmler sent groups to South America, Asia, uh, the Himalayas, yeah. Africa, uh, North, you know, Northern Europe, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. And then a little bit to North America, even before we were starting to really start catching the people that were over here. I would like to see some of like their, literature of the time of what they said what what was acceptable and what wasn't well what was hitler famous for does anybody remember his mustache i mean there's a lot there's oh. a lot he's famous for burning books <laughs> he burnt all the books mm. erase history yeah that's what he was doing mm-hmm. he was having the strict german narratives the german people only knew what hitler and the government would tell them mm-hmm. and the germans were so tired for the last 40 or 50 years at that point before hitler got into power the Germans were getting kicked hard. Uh, they'd already lost one world war. Uh, and they just, they were, they were bellying up as, as a country. And Hitler came to be and was like, we're all German. We're all about Germany and stuff. So that's part of the reason he's a great speaker and everything. Mm-hmm. But if he would have came out and told him that we're now we're sending people to India to measure skulls. Yeah, I suppose it probably wouldn't, it probably wouldn't go over well, but that's what I was, that's why I asked that. Because I mean, a lot, like they made, it makes sense that they wouldn't probably tell the masses because I mean, you know, when they kind of got, uh, when they, when the allies kind of turned, turned on them for the war and they made replicas of a lot of these random artifacts that they found to almost kind of throw them off for what I believe. Like they hid a lot of their authentic pieces or what they believed were authentic and made replicas for others to kind of find. Like I think Hitler made like a whole room to look like, it wasn't a gallery, but it was it was some other some other famous building where he made a replica of the room so they could hide the real things that they stole. Oh, the artwork like and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the other so thing. Kind of telling everybody about it. So he stole hmm. a lot of the artwork, and Himmler believed a lot of these old painters hid messages about some of this stuff in some of the artwork. Himmler cut open. I can't remember what paintings off the top of my head, but paintings they got from the Louvre and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Himmler cut them open. He was peeling paint off them. To, like look for these secret messages. What like, Da Vinci is famous for it, of yep. painting. There'd be twenty paintings. And he had his own uh, little writing. He 
he invented Da Vinci. Hmm. He'd write secret notes in his own. You had to read it like upside down in a mirror. But yep. what Da Vinci was famous for was painting on top of paintings on top of paintings. Yep. Yep. So there was one yep. that one Himmler was literally slicing paintings off of old paintings looking because he's like, well, Da Vinci knew everything. Yeah. So there's got to be one of the secrets I want is in one of these paintings. Yeah. I don't think that worked. I think he just destroyed yeah. a painting. <laughs> well, and like, and as an artist, it just, it just, it just breaks it hurts my heart. deep. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, they say they x-rayed his paintings and stuff, and you could see the layers underneath yeah. and stuff. You, and can you can feel see it. it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've seen, I can't remember, we were at the Smithsonian Art Museum, and I can't remember if it was Da Vinci or Van Gogh that had like so many layers of paintings on top of paintings. Probably Da Vinci. But you could see it off the canvas. Oh, yeah. It was so thick. Like, you could see that uh, it's almost like an oil painting without being an oil painting mm-hmm. of just that thick type of... Well, that's just it with Da Vinci, too, is that he has very few finished pieces as well. Most of his stuff is, like, sketches and quick pieces. Like, he didn't have a lot of finished works. Very ADHD. Like, like, like we worked it again and again and again and again and again. Like, for years, I think he did something like that. And he was kind of like, I don't want to compare him to, like, the Vril people, but he had all of his inventions and stuff where he would just almost think of it and write down his sketches and stuff and write down his inventions idea without actually building these things. It would just come to his mind and he jotted it all down. Like he just had this, like he drank from the cup of the Holy Grail or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was weird. And he had sec- sections of his life where he just went missing and then he came back and he could do all this crazy stuff. It's weird. Well, I mean, Da Vinci had that famous, that famous drawing of like the Vitruvian man, right? So yes. Like he studied in depth with anatomy, and you know he he got you know he got permission to to take bodies and basically do dissections to basically figure out anatomy as well. So you can definitely see a couple of ties in there between the two. Not saying that they're linked by any means. I don't think he was doing it maliciously, but right. more for scientific purposes. I think he yeah. got arrested for that. Probably he was probably stealing bodies at some point. I, I think he surprised. did. I think he got arrested for it because at that point it was still considered a. Oh, what is that? Desecrating a body and all that, you know? A hmm. no-no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, anything else to add to the Ark of the Covenant? I guess we really didn't even talk about the Ark of the Covenant yet oh, fully. Well, Your rods of Aaron. No. Well, I was called the... I, I don't know what that is for sure. Um, the rods of God is what I was talking about earlier. It's something like that's a modern-day invention. It's basically uh, these missiles we have uh, floating around on these satellites that can pinpoint any area oh you're talking about just the steel girders they drop from space with a missile attached to it just a rocket on the back Mm -hmm. there's no explosive or nothing it's just a piece of metal and it will destroy like anything at any point and they call those and but when you were talking about thor's hammer that's kind of what what it was reminding me of oh something like that so we just kind of had a little crossover there because i don't know what the rods of what'd you say aaron were the rods of aaron are the rods of god yeah so yeah basically i'm reading it right now uh, but they're basically these rods that cause miracles and fertility back in the land. Oh, okay. So they're kind of the opposite of the hammer. Yeah. They bring they bring life back. So if you have a, a desolate area, because uh, I think Aaron was one, one of the ones that went out to the wilderness and basically made a paradise. Mm. God gave him those rods to kind of touch the land and bring fully, you know, full life back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the... the, the Rods of Aaron or the Rods God. We need that in the Sahara. Oh, there's things about the Sahara. That's a different episode. The Sahara is very young. Yes, I know. Very. 
I, I know. It's just <laughs> foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, any, Daphne, anything to add for the Ark of the Covenant? I do not. I do not have anything to add. Okay. Um, I'm kind of on board with it being a nuclear reactor. Oh, don't give your, your, your finished opinions on it yet. Uh, that's just my thought of it. So before we go to free talk, I want everybody's opinion on each artifact. So we'll start with the, the Spear of Destiny, what you think it actually was or what you think its capabilities actually were. Hmm. So Daphne, why don't you go first? Put you on the spot. I mean, well, putting me on the spot. Well, I mean, when it, like I'm a little bit about me. Well, I mean, I was, you know, raised, raised Roman Catholic, so brought up that way and, you know, you know, when I get older, it's, you know, beliefs change, opinions change. So part of me is going, you know, do I believe that there is a physical artifact? Yes. I think to, uh, to a certain degree, I believe that there are a lot of physical things out there from, you know, the time of the Bible and everything like that. Does it hold, you know, some di divine power? I, my personal opinion, part of me would say no, but I think just the power that a legitimate object from, you know, whether you look at, everything in the bible as hard truth partial truth a mythology in itself i think it still has some kind of power and awe to it regardless of the level i think that's what i would have to say for that and i mean most of the objects anyway but that one or in particular i think that's kind of my take on it hmm. jay i'm similar um i definitely think it was a real existing object that they held in their hands i do believe it really did pierce uh, Jesus's side, you know, and I, I believe it maybe just by doing that somehow it obtains some mystical energy or something that was attached to it, whether it be some sort of just divine spirit attached to that object. I mean, cause we've seen that with other things like, you know, certain, especially like bad energies can attach themselves to an object. Yeah. Oh yeah. But so like this could be just some sort of energy attaching itself to that object that was pulled from his suffering because he was in full like trauma suffering you know they state and that give them father for they don't know what they do exactly and then <laughs> bam jab in the side i mean as a merciful act and that's the one thing that's important to me when is that people kind of misconstrue mm -hmm. that was just the guard doing a merciful act not torturing jesus because he was already being tortured mm -hmm. and i think that yep. goes strongly to why maybe the Sphere of Destiny actually has some, a spiritual quality yes, to it. Yeah. As it was an act done in mercy, not in vain. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I mean. I think I think it is as it was kind of stated or known as it to be like a divine object uh, full of whatever this mystical power is, whether it just it might just be having good luck on your side. It might just be something that simple or if you enter a battle, you will win. I mean, if I was a like a UFC fighter nowadays, I'd want to have that sphere in my possession <laughs> before every fight. <laughs> I'm going that it's a a real divine object. It really is a spirit of Jesus. It really has. I don't know if it has what divine powers it has, or it's right. just a like a, who. One of you guys said the placebo effect, basically. Yeah, Daphne said that. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. that I do believe it exists. I do believe it stabbed Jesus in the side. I could see it though being more of the. The placebo effect of it's mm -hmm. just when you have this thing you feel very powerful i'm sure if you held me this the staff that's speared jesus in the side mm -hmm. i would feel very all you know unbeatable yeah yeah and maybe yeah maybe and that could be all that if if you believe the mind creates reality 
there you go. I mean, you have all the confidence in the world. You're going to do this. And guess what you do? It'd right. just be that simple. Daphne, yeah. the grail. I don't know. Part of me is going a couple of different ways. Of it. And this is just because, you know, I, you know, I took art history, read the Da Vinci Code and was just fascinated with the idea that it might be a mix of translation where they say it's a physical thing, but it might be or say it's a physical object uh, like a cup. But instead, like I said before, that it might actually be a person because of the change in um, the, the, the translation mix up with different languages and whatnot. So, I mean, oh, gosh. I don't know what my personal <laughs> I don't know. Not saying I don't know is a perfect answer over right. here. Because okay. there's just, there's a lot of this. We don't know. Don't know. We just don't. And the moment you think you do, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. All right, Jay, the grail. Um, So I'm going to go with the kind of thought that it could be a, it could be a physical cup, sure. But I think the cup might represent something else. And I think that cup might be like access the cup to like, you ever heard of the Akashic records? You ever heard of that? Either of you? Mm-mm. I don't think. Um, it's like, it's basically like a library of infinite knowledge that's out there and whatever space is, it's out there. Infinite knowledge is out there. It exists and you can access, you can have access to it. It's called water. From searching with, yeah, I mean, in ways, yes. Water remembers everything. Exactly. So it could be a big super water. But um, you can access this Akashic Records, you know, internally through within. um, And what if, like, the cup itself gave you – what's that? What are you showing me? Oh, okay. The cup itself is – gives you access to that realm of infinite knowledge. So when you're drinking from, you know, the Holy Grail, you're obtaining that knowledge that's out there that's infinite. And that just might be access to it. It all just might be a euphemism for that. My answer is epic. Okay. Just a cup. Just a cup. I think it was. Just a cup. I think well, Jesus did drink from a cup at the Last Supper. I don't think it has any specific. I think he was talking about himself mm. as the the only way for eternal life is through is through him. He's the and Holy Grail. I think like well, Daphne is saying there's been some mistranslations. stuff. I think it was literally talking about Jesus Christ mm. is the only way for eternal life. Interesting. And that's why I think it's, the cup is just a cup. Just a cup. I don't think there's any, I don't even think it exists anymore. I think if there is one, it's definitely probably not the original cup. Somebody probably found an old cup. And how could you prove it unless, it, like, if you dump it on a plant, it grows up fast. It's true. It's actually just like a Burger King Batman cup. There you go. It's a special edition, <laughs> uh, the McDonald's glass cups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Daphne, the hammer. Okay, well, with the, with the hammer, I kind of have my, my take on that, and it goes, same thing with mythologies, and looking at, you know, whether it's the Bible, Norse, Celtic, whatever, it's like when there were either events or drastic changes in the weather or incredible moments in time or something, if people, if back then, you know, they weren't people of science, they had to be able to explain what they saw or what happened to somebody else. 
And I think that when it comes to maybe specific either objects or beings, is that if you see a lightning storm and maybe you see a person, you know, maybe you see an object that makes you think, oh my goodness, there was a guy on the top of a, a cliff and we saw a lightning strike, but he survived, you know, maybe that begins a mythology and, you know, from that a, a sacred object or something like that. So that's kind of my take with that is that maybe it wasn't a person with an, a physical hammer, but maybe it was just something else that people at the time couldn't explain. So they needed to kind of explain something higher than themselves that they could almost get away with, for lack of better term, without kind of diminishing certain cultures and beliefs, but just saying that they explain it as a divine person that has this incredible power, then they can kind of leave it at that and you can ooh and ah, mm -hmm. you know, as much as you want. Hmm. So we actually say the exact same thing about stuff like the Thunderbird that yeah that giant especially stuff like california condors and stuff mm -hmm. they ride the thermal vents in front of thunderstorms so from an outside observer that doesn't understand that they look like they're pulling in these giant thunderheads hmm. they look like they're towing them in and that's what part of the yeah. thunderbird legend and the reality or reality the basic thing could be it's just a giant california condor that's riding that right. thermal vent to get above the cloud hmm, and it's got to get up above that storm before it catches up with it Hmm. So yeah, there's I, I get that. I think I'm there with you. I'm gonna just steal yours, Jay. <laughs> I think uh, it was from ancient times and people in ancient hot air balloons. They had their mix of like highly. It's uh, all seal bladders. Seal bladders, yeah, or just one giant whale bladder. And then they uh, were making their own sulfur balls, and they were up there, and they just float over like whatever city they were ready to destroy, drop Thor's hammer on, but they dump these sulfur balls over the edge, and they catch fire on their way down and poof, decimate everything. Hmm. Thor's hammer explained. There you go. All right. <laughs> Ark of the Covenant, Daphne. Well, when it comes to the Ark of the Covenant, I don't really have an opinion on its original, like any anything much more than what we've talked about, about its biblical origins but more or less kind of like a, a theory that we dab, dabbed on a little bit earlier was that if it, but it almost kind of goes against what i'm saying like when they if they weren't telling their masses about these objects that they wanted but at the same time they compared their power to like we have a covenant and it has this kind of power that's very similar to an atomic bomb or like the hammer can take out cities just like a bomb or something that's kind of what i think about was maybe they'll you know, they say it's one thing to hide the real technology that mm -hmm. they're building. I'm saying, oh, we have this mystical box from the ages, but meanwhile, we have scientists that are building, you know, some of the most deadliest weapons ever. Maybe it's just kind of like a cover-up of going, oh, if we tell them that it's mystical, they won't look into it. But that's hmm. just kind of a weird theory on my end. Yeah, I but like it's, it. It's, it seems to happen over and over, though, that theory. Of them, say, of uh, like just nowadays that we say, oh, we don't have a spy plane. There's that big black triangle above us isn't a spy plane or bomber we're working on. Ten years later, oh shoot, it's a big spy plane bomber we've been working on the past like forty years. Yep. Very similar. Jay, um, I, I mean, with with like the biblical descriptions of it, I do believe it was real. It existed, um, and it was used. As to what it is, yeah, it's hard to say, but I do entertain the uh, nuclear reactor theory that it could just been a mobile nuclear reactor they're carrying around. And yeah, if you open it, you're going to die and sleep from radiation poisoning. But if you can direct that energy into against a battlefield that's, 
you know, people are riding horses, swinging swords, you're kind of going to have the advantage you'll, and win every win. time. Yes. I'm going uh, full biblical. Full biblical. I think it is what they what the Bible says it is. I think it does what the Bible says it does. I think it has what it says it's in it. It's Short a, and sweet. The Bible said it was a porta potty. It did not. Oh yeah, wrong book. I was gonna say you've no. not read the Bible very well. <laughs> uh, so that's it for the super weapons we've talked about. So Daphne, we got about ten minutes left. Okay. So whatever, what do you want to talk about? It's all you. Well, the one thing that I I I heard this in a documentary, and I think it was a he was a doctor. Axel Stoll, I think, was his name. I don't know if you guys heard about him or not. He he called himself a doctor of natural sciences, and he you know he told he told interviewers of the time that you know he was Aryan. He showed sketches of some of these Nazi UFOs that had swastikas designed right on them and that was just where it got really weird for me that he was just very matter of fact going yep uh we have nazis on mars on you know the dark side of the moon and i think you guys mentioned at the very beginning um that that star system aldebaran aldebaran yeah yeah and just just like I just thought that was just wild to watch that he goes, yep, we were a hundred percent or are a hundred percent from these different places and different planets. Hmm. And we had technologies long before NASA and everything like mm-hmm. that. So I don't know if you guys heard about him, but if you can watch his interview, it is wild. I was, <laughs> I'll, have really to, is. I'll have to look that up. The only one I know about yeah. it, it kind of sounds like there's Admiral Bird. Kind of. Yeah. Cause he said the Aryans were in the hollow earth mm-hmm. and they had flying UFOs with, Big swastikas on the side, and like uh, well, then, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, then, how how does that work? If we're having a bit of an open discussion, where you have some people that said that, you know, Nazis and Aryans came from another, you know, planet or something, but then you have others saying that they were descendant from, uh, you know, Atlantis or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, how does that coincide? It really depends on what narratives you want to follow. We talk a lot of, on the show about narratives uh, that, you know, everybody kind of pieces stuff to most people when they go into this stuff have an end point they want to get to. So they fold the story to fit that end point. Um, so some people think the Atlanteans, if uh, they want to believe that the Aryans, if they believe that they descended from Atlanteans, they think the Atlanteans are the actual aliens or the, the oh. not from here. So the gotcha. the original uh, Aryans that lived on the planet in that mindset were the Atlanteans. They had the super culture, and that's where they sprinkled. Like the, the things we're talking about, Thor's hammer, or the Ark of the Covenant in this aspect, are the little sprinklings of their technology spread around. Okay. They okay. made it off, off continent. See, I believe that Atlantis did exist too. It was we, a super uh, state almost, or a super civilization. And but I th- I think they were I do personally believe they were they weren't aliens they were just from here it was just the people that lived here smart people oh yeah for sure just See, like I just think they had indoor pottying and that was amazing to the world I think they were <laughs> I think they were world traveling and even air traveling if you um like ancient like I don't know uh, Hindu texts and not an Atlantean episode Jay. ancient uh, I know I know but it all ties together because it has to do with swastikas and stuff like Jainism is an old uh, like offshoot of Hinduism. And uh, they talked about having flying machines and developing flying machines. Similar to the way yeah. the Vril talked about them, they just were in contact with higher beings and higher knowledge that would channel this information to them. And, um, they have diagrams and stuff in their old temples and stuff, drawings, carvings, 
with the ships with the Nazis or Nazi with the uh, swastika symbol on them. And this is, I mean, we're talking an old, old religion too that were that would talk about this stuff. Even in Hinduism, they talk about vamanas and things like that, flying machines that the gods quote unquote possessed and were using. And even in a lot of their temples today, there's still pictures and stuff um, depicting that. And there's supposedly even legends today of some sealed doors that still contain these vimanas inside, which would be pretty interesting, but you can't open them unless you have like the right... Uh, Say again, what was the vimana, the a, flying thing? A vimana is their flying machines. So now, well, now we're really off topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, was the, what was the guy that said he worked for Area 51? A Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. In, Bizarre. Yeah, yeah. The the documents that they gave him, which could be wrong, said that they found half of their, their crafts in these ancient ruins. Mm, yeah. Yeah, like there were old technology yeah. that they discovered. Yeah. Well, they think they were just in the parking garage. Right, yeah. They got left behind. Well, that's kind of what they describe is that these are mm-hmm. not from here. Even some they, they dug. Left in, a, in, left in a parking drop. Or but s- they were found in these archaeological digs. Mm-hmm. And some of them, they were just random, like, or buried. They were just. And he always talks about the one that has the big mortar shell stuck in the side of it. Oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I think they shot that one down. I don't know where the pile is for that one. <laughs> yeah, probably not there. He's, a, he's the guy in right pat. Walking around. I don't know. Did you listen? Oh, no, that's on a pa- that's on Patreon. Uh, but no, we talked about it on Patreon uh, where there's an alien that lives at right pat that a bunch of truckers seen one night. Yes, allegedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's probably that guy who got shot out. Still living there. They yeah. took his ship, but at least they let him live there and give him a Coke. I mean, I, I would be pretty happy if that's all the U.S. government did to me. True, if yeah. If you're not from here yeah. and they actually got you down. Because <laughs> you're like, crap, these big primitive apes are going to beat me to death. Nope, you can live here and have a Coke. I'll take that. Yeah. Hey, I'll teach your class for you. <laughs> Anything else? Right, what's another thing you'd like to talk about, Daphne? That was my, I actually, I, that was my note that I wanted to make sure that we kind of brought up was uh, their what we would call, you know, their alien spacecraft and, and how open they were about it. But like, like in the do- in the interview, he's just like, yep, here's the pages, here's the I'll, pictures. I'll have to look mm-hmm. that up. Like, they're just so legit about it. And you, you don't hear about it. I mean, now, I mean, if you're watching the news, of course, like, um, you know, the states are coming out with UFOs and all videos and everything like that. But back then, they were like, oh, yeah, you want to talk about it? Here it is. Mm-hmm. Back then, and very, very few and far people between even then would it be open enough to talk about it if they weren't changing yeah. their opinion the next day. We'll probably yeah. have to have you back on for the Operation High Jump and the Operation uh, Ice Cube or is Deep that Freeze. Deep Freeze. Deep Freeze. Yeah. Operation Deep Freeze. I heard about uh, the uh, the High Jump, but not the Deep Freeze. So okay, I'll have to get get caught up on that one. Uh, Operation yeah. Well, Operation High Jump is the first encounter with the Nazis in Antarctica. Uh, or the Nazi-type things yeah. in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the Operation uh, Deep Freeze is the second one with containment. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, and basically... And then Operation Deep Freeze is where the whole world agreed to what to do with Antarctica. And how often has the whole world agreed on anything? Um, never. <laughs> well, no, on Antarctica. Oh, well, then before then. No, never. Yes, exactly. Yeah, everybody. I think what is there, two hundred and eleven sovereign nations. Shoot, I don't know something like that. And I think like one hundred and eighty of them agreed to that the Antarctica agreement. Yeah, that never and happens. And the ones that didn't agree don't matter because it's probably like Zimbabwe. What? And what's Zimbabwe going to do against the U.S. government when they say you're not allowed to go near Antarctica? 
we're going to go. Yeah, you're not going to make it. Just right. so you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know. All right, guys, anything else? This has been fun. This has been ball. Well, thank this you, Daphne. We loved this. I got to thank you guys so much for inviting me on your show. I've been, I, I absolutely just love your, your podcast. I'm getting caught up with Mothman. I just finished your first episode. So, no, this was, this a, was really great. I appreciate it. The Mothman's a doozy. Yes, very much a doozy. Oh, yeah, we're glad to have you. I, really I think we should do a part two for sure of this. I think, I think that'd be fun if you're down for that. Hey, let's do it. And we'll do uh, focus maybe on the, like I said, Operation High Jump, Operation Deep Freeze. Yeah, and just more the stuff they don't really talk about weird in history stuff, yeah. class. Yeah, There's a lot they leave out in history. Mm-hmm. Everything. It's weird. I want to talk about it. Yep. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm going to wrap it up now. I've been the great and powerful mystery. I've been Jay. And I've been Daphne. And together <laughs> this week we were Crypt of the Corn podcast. So we'll catch you next week with, with more fun mysteries and monsters from around the world. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.